Stop it, Paul. The nav computer is set for the Star Realms. Punch it, Jake. Welcome to Decision Space, the only podcast that takes place right here in the space between the turns in your favorite games. I'm Brendan. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. And this week, we are here in the Star Realms, ready to discuss, I think, a game that has really surprised me in my return to it. And first of all, welcome, Paul. I'm so glad you've hopped into the spaceship with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, really honored to be here with the both of you. And I'm, I feel honored because I have learned, so Jake and you were friends and I, he wanted to bring you on the show because I know you were dying to talk about Star Realms. And then in the intervening time, I've learned that you were a Star Realms expert, very <laughs> entrenched in the metagame. Not only did you win a recent tournament, one of the first in the apps, but you True. led a Star Realms podcast for many years, an awesome True. podcast. Yeah. Star Realms minicast, which was on the Anchor app for a while, and it was like, if I was driving, I would just have my phone to the ear, and I would do like five minutes on Star Realms. That's awesome. I didn't realize that that's how you recorded it. That's yeah. so fantastic. It's a really cool app. It's just like sort of radio, where you can host your own radio show, and people can call in, but there never was like a critical mass enough to have enough call-ins to keep going, you know? Totally. I like to when you would, yeah, you would like send the ideas out and then you get feedback. It was a really cool format. But in terms of our show format, I want to let everyone know for all you pre-planners out there, next week we're going to be doing a What We Talk About episode. Um, so you have extra time to dive into the game that we're doing the week after that, which is we're going to take a look at Keyforge, a game very close to Jake and I's game playing history. And Dark Tidings, the new set for that is coming out. So now's the, the perfect time to jump in. Yeah, I can't wait for that. And uh, so good to have you on, Paul. I feel like I do have to say this because when we had our disc golf buddy, uh, Jamie, on the podcast, I introduced him as someone who's never beaten me at disc golf. So I have to give you your props. Uh, Paul is here as as a person that beats me at disc golf most of the time. So yeah, it's about I'd say it's about 50 50. But right now I do have this the higher numbered tag or the lower number the better one. Yeah. Jake, uh, when you but, post scores to Instagram, it's always like, dang, what were Jake and Jamie doing? Paul's just like running away with the game. <laughs> Paul, he shreds. He's he's a shredder. Don't Appreciate let him it. Appreciate talk himself it. down. Awesome. Well, in terms of today's show, this is the format where we jump into our, our synopsis, our slogans. So and then we'll go to a brief overview of the game. Um, but who wants to who wants to start with their their thoughts on Star Realms? I'll go first, because this cool. is this is my favorite game of all time. It's not my favorite game design of all time. There are other games that I think are more elegant and kind of tickle my design fancy a little better. But my number one game, so I have to rate it a 10. And my slogan is, oh, man, I had you on the next turn. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So yeah. good. That's, That's absolutely amazing. the experience. Basically, 90% of the time you play is... You're, you've got some gigantic thing loaded up, and you you die last last moment there. Totally. And if not that, it's my my deck on the next shuffle. My next deck, oh. Oh, you were going to be blown out. Of the yeah, it was gonna it was gonna really take off. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go next, Jake? Sure. Um, so I don't really love deck building games. I said that last week when we were talking about El Grande, how I didn't really like area majority games. Um, but then El Grande showed me a brand new light. 
And I was feeling like that a little bit. I do think Star Realms might be one of my favorite deck building games I've ever played, but it didn't make me love the mechanic. I still have some issues with that just as a core mechanic. And this design is so intrinsic to that, that it's not always going to be a game I would pull off the shelf over a lot of other things. So for me, solid game. I respect it. Fun to play on the app. I'm giving it a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Also, I, I totally blundered my my introduction of you, Paul. We should also say really quickly before I get into the synopsis, Paul Solomon is also a designer of uh, multiple board games, numerous board games, four published games now, I think, most recently Honey Buzz. Which Actually, I've got one even past that. Uh, really? Just, just there, I think a week ago, we had Genotype hit stores. Uh, my second co-design with John Covey at Genius Games sort of a dice drafting um, worker placement game about Gregor Mendel and genetics. But yeah, Honey Buzz was my long-term project with um, Elf Creek Games. And that a big a- hit, fun game. Thank you. I love your themes, Paul. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, so my star my, here's my synopsis star realms is a highly polished game of deeply impactful decisions on first glance star realms can feel a bit too polished as if all the interesting edges have been sanded away but with an additional investment the true depth of star realms card systems and system design and card design reveals itself even without taking all of the expansions into consideration an impressive feat of design for a 128 card set and one i imagine sticking around for years to come 8.5 out of 10 ooh Probably. All right, we got we got a good kind of two points separating all of mm-hmm. ours. So this will be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. If you haven't played Star Realms, don't go anywhere. We're going to have a game breakdown for you to give you a little bit of a sense for how the game works, uh, like we always do. And then we'll be right back in for our discussion. Star Realms is a dueling deck building game in which two players, through the course of the game, assemble decks in pursuit of their goal of reducing their opponent to zero authority, the game's health. Each turn, players draw five cards from their deck and then play out their cards. When a player's deck is exhausted of cards, she will shuffle her discard pile and create a new draw deck from the same personal pool of cards. Some cards represent trade, the game's money, which is used to purchase cards from a random face-up display of five available to purchase cards that are replaced when purchased, or explorers, an always available option. Other cards may provide combat, which players use to erode their opponent's authority, and still others may boost a player's authority, or some combination of all of these effects and more, including drawing new cards, scrapping other cards, getting rid of them from your deck permanently, destroying bases, and so on. Cards in Star Realms come in two types, ships and bases. Ships are sent to a player's discard deck at the end of each turn, whereas bases offer persistent effects often slightly weaker than similarly costed ships, but remain on the table until destroyed by the opposing player. Some bases called outposts function as shields and must be attacked and sent to discard before a player may be attacked directly, playing a valuable defensive role in the game. Finally, most cards in Star Realms belong to one of the game's four factions, Trade Federation, Star Empire, Machine Cole, and Blob, each of which have unique feels and strategic goals. Many cards have a bonus ally effect which trigger only when a player has two or more cards of a given faction in play on a given turn. Carefully crafting an efficient and powerful deck is key to victory in Star Realms, and oftentimes focusing on a couple factions is ideal. 
So that was the rules overview. Uh, a little bit about Star Realms. Star Realms was first published in 2014 by Wise Wizard Games, and it's the design of Robert Daughtry and Darwin Castle. Paul, did I say Robert's last name? I think, I think Rob Daughtry. Daughtry, thank and you. And it's, it's worth mentioning, those are two Magic the Gathering Hall of Famers designing the game. And they were Magic the Gathering Hall of Famers from like the very early days of Magic the Gathering also, right? That's correct, yeah. Cool. I, it definitely shows in the design. Star Realms also is a, I would say, a two-player game that can be played with more players True. as a variant. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I think the best way for us to really lead off this conversation is to delve more into our personal histories. So we talked about it a little bit, Paul, but do you want to talk more about your history with the game? What drew you in? And Definitely, definitely. So um, let me start with the end. At this point... I am in the top 100 lifetime on the app. Now, that's a little misleading because it's based on, you know, total wins minus losses. So if you play long enough and you have a win rate north of 50%, you will eventually reach the mountaintop. But um, I've played about 11,700 plus games on the app which is half of some of the other premier players. My win rate is about 61%, 62%, um, which we'll come back to as we go on. But for me, um, as I was learning about modern game design, deck building was one of the first things that really blew my mind. Um, and it was playing Dominion uh, with a friend at work. And just the ideas of you know, gaining money and accumulating things in your deck and having clutter and the kind of breakthrough paradigm shift of the idea of scrapping things out of your deck. All of that really fascinated me. And, you know, watching things like the Dice Tower Top 10 deck building games, I wanted to try all these things. Star Realms is like this little $10, $15 box. You can get it, get into it. The app's $5. And then from there, it just kind of skyrocketed. It was a point of contention in my marriage for a time. We've come through that. And uh, now it's just basically I play all the time on my phone. I've got about four games going at a time. I'm in, you know, I beta test new developments. I just got the most recent expansion. So this is kind of like a lifestyle game for me. But I don't get to play it much on the tabletop apart from at school with my students. That's awesome. I... As I've recently become a fan of your podcast in the last two weeks, and there was a moment on the podcast that I remember you saying, but the t like, if you're going for the top 100, just know it's almost impossible because yeah. the guys at the top are just <laughs> all the time. And now you're, you're one of those people. That's awesome. Well, I mean, let me just say, like, I, I think I just broke level 60 okay. um, a couple weeks ago, but the top players are still, I think, 120, wow. which is more, I mean, it's about four times the the, where I am because it's so much harder to attain higher levels. So uh, there's a long road in front of me, but I mean, some, sometimes they'll die. And so I'll have a chance. <laughs> I, I mean, I just got to keep playing. This is a very old school Jake idea for the real game is the game of life. That's right. right. And other games are just pasted on top of it. Yeah, what about you, right. Jake? What's your personal history with Star Realms? So I uh, first played Star Realms at a family Christmas. I've got um, some cousins, and, and they are big gamers. Uh, they when I, Growing up, hanging out at their house was always awesome because they just had like a closet full of game, mostly mass market games at that time uh, in their basement. And I actually kind of credit that to some of my first like gaming experience and like learning at an early age. There was like more out there than just Monopoly. Um, 
So we were at a Christmas gathering, family gathering over there. And my cousin Mariah, uh, who is kind of back home from college, uh, was like, I want to, Jake, she knew I was, you know, really into games. Like, I want to show you this game I've been playing, you know, like with all the kids in my dorm and like pulls out this like well-worn deck of Star Realms, just like (laughs) completely, you know, we'll, we'll call it like loved game of star realms and we sat around like an ottoman and played a game of four-handed star realms and i did not <laughs> like it at all. <laughs> i was just like there is nothing here you know and, and it's funny because that was my only experience with it and i was talking to paul on one of our disc golf rounds and i was like or maybe i was just messaging you but i was like is oh the app's like only two players i just like assumed you know it was yeah. sort of like a best at four type of experience so that totally <laughs> kind of like negatively colored my first impression of the game uh and then i didn't touch it again until you know the last couple of weeks when i've been exploring the app a lot i only have played the core game still i just felt like I kept wanting to buy expansions and add in, but I was like, I haven't even begun to wrap my head around this yet. So what's the point? Um, So that's where I'm at now. I've probably played 30, 40 games on the app. Awesome. Sizable chunk. Well, so my history with Star Robes, when I moved to Connecticut in 2015, I remember sitting in my apartment, an old apartment bedroom there, and I would play in bed a lot of the times. This was like a very hectic... uh, time in my in my wife's life and i primarily played against the ai and i really enjoyed star realms i played it in my memory probably all the time for like a three month period but i never ended up going online and i think it's because i was stubborn and didn't want to pay the five dollars for the app at that point in time um but i i thought it was such a cool little design um and then i like jake returned to it when i knew we were going to be uh bring have you come on the show paul and i I've played a lot. Oh. <laughs> this is like a confession. Jake, <laughs> I've been wanting to tell Jake how many games I've played uh, all week. At one point, I, when I got to 50 games, I was like, okay, I'm going to show Jake my r- win rate. <laughs> then I got to 100 games, and I was like, okay, I should tell Jake. And then I was like, no, 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 I'll save it for the podcast. <laughs> then I passed 200 games. Oh, wow. God. And I was really feeling myself. And then <laughs> this morning... <laughs> I got to 287 games played. Wow, in bravo. Two weeks, yeah. Maybe a week and a half. That's a and lot have, of games. It's it's too much. I haven't been <laughs> sleeping. Star Realms oh, has maybe man. given me insomnia. But it's... I came from the game... Uh, I think last time I played it, it was a very casual experience of just like kind of zoning, vibing with the game and like playing it almost like I played Solitaire as a kid on the computer, just like to have my mind escape it and this time i really tried to rip the hood off the spaceship and figure out how i could win the most games the most quickly and what i was doing wrong um mm-hmm. and i the system's really fun it's the learning curve is amazing and i just i don't know there's I, now that i'm 280 games in, i have some things i don't love about it but there's also some things that i just adore and i think it's brilliant so yeah i'll just add that 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 experience of like trying to understand why I was so bad at it for a long time. You know, it's like, it's like some level of enlightenment to try to actually learn and improve. It's like, wow, I completely misunderstood how this game works. Totally. And I think this game is so good at the, uh, the level system within the apps. So if you haven't played the app for any of you listeners, 
basically every level that you get to that we're talking about in the online app, you have to win a certain number of games more than you lose to advance on. And I think that that's really, I hadn't seen that system in a lot of games. Some games will just give you points or something like that. Um, but it really does feel like every new level you get to, you have to have realized or learned something new about the system mm-hmm. in, in a true way. So, Paul, on the podcast, one thing we always like to do since we're decision space is characterize the decision space of the games that we talk about at the app's outset. Um, so I don't know who wants to sort of jump in and talk about the decision space first of Star Realms, um, but maybe, Jake, you want to take an attempt at putting it into one of our categories? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Paul, I don't know if you um, listened to one of our previous episodes where we talk about kind of decision space dynamics, how they typically... Uh, either expand, shrink, uh, can shift around a lot. Um, Absolutely waxing, or... waning. <laughs> yeah. He's a fan. He's a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I think, to me, I think the decision space of this feels like a, a slight waxing the whole time. Like it, you, you are getting to do more on your turn as you get better spaceships and, and uh, stations. I'm probably not using the right terminology here. Uh, you know, those give you more choices. So clearly bases. that basis. So clearly that is expanding the amount of choices. It expands the sequencing uh, and adds more choices there. Having said that, I feel like the gradient is very slight. Ascent for the most part. You know, the first turn of the game, uh, and, and you know. Towards the end, maybe not the very last turn when you're doing some crazy comboing out to do a ton of damage, uh, but for most of the turns, what you're doing at the beginning and what you're doing towards the end of, you know, counting up your gold, choosing what to buy from the available supply, uh, and, and then choosing how you want to deal damage, it, it's pretty samey. Um, so I, I, that's how I would characterize it. So I feel like. I, I definitely agree with that characterization, though I feel like it, no matter what deck you end up building, you're waxing at the start, and then depending on the decks that you can go into, you could end up waning, you could end up waxing, it, it really depends. And then an interesting thing about Star Realms, too, is the Explorer system, how there's this sense of getting your economy online, and you're going to give yourself a ton of decisions, and then at some point you have to turn your economy off. So you can make your deck efficient again. So you're making the decision to decrease the decision space. And then you're sort of seeing how those decisions played out, still making some decisions as you go. But I definitely, I do agree because invariably, like you were mentioning, Jake, because of the way the bases work, almost always the decision space of those is growing. And then there's two types of bases. There's outposts and regular bases. So the board complexity grows because you might not destroy a regular base. Um, and you could opt to let those sit on the table and attack your opponent directly. So I, I think it waxes, but it's almost, it might be one of those like hard to categorize games where you could really just chart each game after a, a wax at the start. Oh, I, I want to hear what Paul has to say, but just one quick point of distinction. I think just because you are waning cards out of your deck, that doesn't necessarily mean you're shrinking the decision space. Totally. In, in fact, like getting out the ones that are just a single coin or a single damage is actually probably going to increase your decision space as you shuffle through the deck again. Especially as you add way more complex cards. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects of the game's design that have to do with decision space. I think overall, um, as you get cards with more types of abilities into your hand, you do have larger decision space. Something that um, 
is true in general is that the order you play cards in mostly doesn't matter. But as the game goes on, depending on what types of strategies you're in, it can matter, especially for advanced players thinking about deck size and when to cycle their deck and that kind of stuff. So as your deck gets more complicated, the decisions get more complicated in general. As the game finishes, the decisions become more obvious. It's time to scrap this dreadnought. It's time to ignore that base. And um, so it does, it does kind of grow and taper down. There's also just some cards have decisions on them, and most do not. When I play an Imperial Fighter, it does exactly what it says on the card, and I have no choice. Um, unless I'm playing a multiplayer game, I don't even choose who discards the card. Yeah. Whereas if I play a patrol mech or something, I get a choice of money or attack. Or if I play a barter world, I can take authority or I can take attack. And there is some choice about what cards I discard when my opponent forces me to. But for the most part, those things are a little uh, smaller. And I think we've started to already touch on the idea that the, the, the complexity of Star Realms comes out of the importance of really small decisions. Yeah. I think that goes a lot into kind of the the feel and, and size of the decision space too, because you know I I don't I'm not ashamed to say I'm like on the lowest level of understanding about this game on the call, but even I can tell like I feel like the the feel of the decision space on most turns of game seems pretty small, and especially when you're first learning the game, it's like, I have four bucks and this costs four, so like I'm just going to snag that because that's like the most efficient use of my resources. Uh, so it feels really small, but like I think even at like my level zero or level one understanding of the game, like I get the sense that there is so much more out there to understand uh, and learn about the game, you know, that I have, you know, it, I have no doubt that if you guys are telling me that there's like a really big decision space under the hood. I mean, I, I believe that is definitely the case. One thing that this game reminds me of in terms of talking about its decision space is a while ago, we I, I mentioned, I forget which episode it was. It might've been Underwater Cities or maybe even Res Arcana. The, the idea of like a very branchy decision space um, where you make a decision that leads you down a path in the game. And I think that Star Realms is really good at giving players uh, one or two or three choices and really sending you down different paths. It also is one of the games that I've played that gives you the most flexibility and shifting off of that path yes. um, because it forces you to. Um, and you have to understand because of the way that the cards come out that it might force you to change direction. Um, and I think that that's what's so interesting is it's it's really good at just juxtaposing yes, no, yes, no decisions. Uh, the Even like the, the mech that you were talking about, Paul, patrol, the, mech, you, yeah. patrol mech. Do you want three gold or do you want five damage? It's a juxtaposition of two, just a binary choice. And even in the buying, just the way emergently that comes out, oftentimes because of the random cards that are out, you only have a couple choices. And maybe you also have the choice to buy two explorers or one explorer and a card. Um, so I think that that's one thing I really admire about the decision space is it helps control AP analysis paralysis by really just giving you yes, no answers. Kind of like the classic London underground of you can get wherever you need to go just by answering one question every time you get to a, a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I, I'll just sort of add on that, uh, you know, the, and this I assume came up in your uh, description of the game, Brennan, but the, there are these four factions in the game yeah. that give you four different types of deck, essentially. And so 
early on, especially for new players, you're thinking, okay, this game, I'll try out a green deck. And that kind of might immediately narrow down your decision space to just, I'll buy whatever greens I can get all the time. Or this deck, I'm going to try having a ton of authority gain and healing and stuff. And that the first big level that you take as a player is realizing that that is a myth. That there is the myth of faction in the game where uh, it's much more about responding to your opponent's strategies. If they try to do something, how will I stay alive long enough for my deck to do what it will do better than their deck is going to do what it, what they want it to do. Yep. Um, yeah. I think it might be helpful too, for people who haven't played Star Realms to, in terms of deck building, it really explores the common trope of how fast is my deck going to be? Yeah. And the way that Star Realms does that, and I think a lot of what you're thinking about, Paul, and correct me if I'm wrong, when your opponent's making decisions, you're looking at, okay, how much scrapping do they have? Is their deck going to outscrap mine at a certain point of time? Uh, what? How much is my purchasing power in any given deck? And every time you shuffle a deck in Star Realms, it's really like a new deck. And that's something that I like about it as a deck builder, is you make a lot of choices that really change the feel of it. Also, you might be thinking about how many bases are they getting? Are they going to build a base wall that I just... I can never catch up by the end of it. So you're really thinking about speed and you have to think, is my deck faster? Can I race to the finish before they get their deck online? There's a lot of that as you go. And one thing about the factions too, and then maybe we should move on to sort of other aspects of the design, but something about the decision space that I love in the factions is they give players agency over how much... indeterminacy or randomness you want in the system, right? Because the more, as you add more factions to your deck uh, of variety, you're not going to get the ally abilities as consistently, but you're going to be able to bring different strategies together. Sometimes you also just don't have the choice. There's no yep. good cards in the byline and you have to do something. Yep. And it, in ter- just to piggyback on that before we switch, switch gears, in terms of game design concepts, yep. Star Realms is about responding to input randomness which is the, tr- the trade row the cards that you don't get to choose what cards appear you have to respond to it well and mitigating the output randomness of your deck trying to minimize the way in which the shuffle can make your deck ineffective and you know perform poorly it's also pretty amazing to me paul that it's a game built on you don't see a lot of games that take two random systems and interlock them as effectively together as Star Realms does and have it not be a wildly frustrating game to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Star Realms can be frustrating. I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But I don't think it's... I've never had a total flip the table moment. Okay, maybe twice in like... Well, it's, <laughs> I think, I've definitely I, thrown my phone. Yeah, <laughs> I, think it, I think it's worth it to also mention that like part of the reason is because the app is so fast, right? Like yes. you're in and out of the game so quickly that it's like hard to be too upset. Where it might be, there are moments that grated on me when I was just playing with the app that I feel like if I was like in person, like sh- taking, shuffling the time cards, right? It's going to like probably double your playtime. Yeah. That would have felt more annoying. We don't normally go into turbulence this early, but I want to get it out of the way. And you said there were some grading issues. So I I feel the shaking coming on. Oh, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) This is your captain speaking. We are now approaching a little bit of turbulence. Please return to your seats and buckle your safety belts.
What what were your grading moments, Jake? What were the little bumps in the in the pocket okay. past the the star realms? Okay, this is perfect because I I have one uh, turbulent just related to the four factions, and this is like maybe this is just a one hundred percent me thing that you guys are gonna say what the hell are you talking about? But like I don't like the fact that there are four factions. Mm. Every time you're talking about the four factions, that just like triggers something in my head that's like you want there to be just five feels wrong. I want there to be five. Or there, seven. There are five. Or there three. Are five. There's bases. You forgot that. That's a faction almost. Especially when you get to the expansions, but I know you haven't played them. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose so. But I mean, I don't know. I In my, uh, you know, marketing kind of classes in undergrads, like humans like lists of like three, five, seven, or 10. And I just see the four factions and every time just like there should be, there's just something not right with it. This is a numeric qualm that you have. It's four versus five, or is it more? You want more? I think it's like more of just like OCD, me being like OCD. I just think it's weird. Like, I don't think you see like four factions like this in many games. I I will say that um, if you've played Ascension, which I think came out, before this game, I could be wrong, but it is very similar in its four factionness, mm. um, and it's having permanents like bases and having action cards like ships. Um, however, uh, in the future, and with Wise Wizard games, that often means the far future, <laughs> there will be a legacy version of the game introducing three new factions. Oh. That would solve my problem okay. completely. And I think, I mean, I think if there were five factions, I mean, I don't want to like redesign the game. I'm not saying like the game is poorly designed because of this. It just seems like, it just strikes me as weird. So I have, it, I have an issue with that. <laughs> I think it's aesthetic, Jake. It's a game where you draw five cards. There's five cards in this, in the byline. You start with 50 health and there's four factions. Is it like, is that? Oh weird? yeah. It might be. It might be. You know, like. There's a card called, uh, well, I won't tell you what it's called, but it's it costs five trade. It's five, It's a base. It's five um, defense to destroy it. It gives you five authority, and it's called Asser 4. Big what? missed opportunity. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That is well, true. All right. I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm just curious if maybe I'm alone on this one, but I'm curious if anyone else has, like, found that, like, weird or grating. The other... Uh, piece thing that's more actual gameplay related that i find annoying is i and this is like certainly uh, uh because of my level of understanding the game and i'm sure there are ways to like mitigate this or not but i feel like a lot of my games come down to like the first reshuffle and if i'm able to like get my pairs in that first reshuffle or not um and it's just frustrating to me where I feel like a lot of times my opponent's just buying like a bunch of random stuff and it gets, you know, all his pairs right away and I have less different stuff and just don't draw them. And it just seems like that early bump in the game is like very impactful in how the actual game plays out. And, you know, yeah, there are ways to mitigate it, but not a lot. Your, your thoughts on that? Me, Paul Solomon? Hey, Happy anybody. to answer. Tell yeah, me I, I'm I will wrong. say, you know, I'll say this. First of all, the, the, I there are uh, maybe a small percentage of the board gaming community that for whom this is their favorite game. I mean, very small. I would say a lot of board gamers are like, yeah, Star is fine, but it's not anything probably special to a lot of them. It's probably more reflective of early uh, deck building stuff. So when I talk to people about their complaints about Star uh, Star it's very similar. Right. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, well, 
it's pretty obvious what's the best card. Like I should buy the Ram. It does five combat. And if you're able to get that and I can't, I'm going to lose. And, you know, there is a, a certain extent to which that is true. There are, and I, I, all Star Realms players will agree, I think, it is possible to play the game perfectly and just lose. And that's why the greatest Star Realms player in the universe, um, Kincaid would be his name, only wins 70% of his games. Wow, Still losing so three high. out of ten games. So, and I know this is in the show notes for later, but I do think this is sort of a game of inches. And yeah. a baseball analogy is similar, where... There's only kind of you have to really do everything to eke out an advantage, mm. yeah. and yes. sometimes it still won't work. Yeah, and sometimes one card flipping at the wrong time or the just the right luck for your opponent can ruin your your game of inches where you've put it all together. I think for me though, the one thing that frustrates me, and I I wish and I that there was a system, and I I suspect that there might be that it might be tied into something called gambits. But one thing that frustrates me is when I am presented with a purchase decision and there's a card that I must buy. This could tie somewhat into what you're talking about, Jake. There's an early freighter that flips. It's the second the second sort of look at the market. It's a four buy early. I end up with four in my hand. I just have to buy it. Um, or something like that. And I buy it and then the perfect card for my opponent flips. And I had no ability to know that by purchasing that card, I was giving up that Per, that it's just pure output randomness right, right. Um, and for me that's the one area where the game can be really frustrating is that the cost of buying a card yes there's the actual cost of buying the card but then there's the cost of not knowing what information you'll present to your opponent that i think can be hard because it's very you're always judging okay these are the cards that are in each player's deck and this is what could come out but that's, for me, at the point I am, a tough calculation to make. And it's a big deck. So it's always, I think, tough to some degree. So I think that's my one area of frustration. And I think if I had twice in a game, it was like I could just use an effect where I could scrap a card for free, mm-hmm. sort of like the Blobs do, like the Blob Destroyer or one of those cards. I think that would make me feel better, even if it was just hitting the slot machine again and saying, okay, no, let's put a new card out. Let's hope right. it's an Imperial Fighter. Yeah. Do you have any... What are your your turbulences, Paul, if you have any. So um, I will say, and I I said this before, this is a game I've I've thrown my phone, I've deleted this app multiple times, and I've gone through, even like at level 25, which is pretty far along, gone through stretches where I just cannot win. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're playing golf or something, you miss some aspect of your swing, you're losing sight of something, and it's just really costing you. Um. My main turbulences with the game, you know, it's, it is a very high variance game. And, and yeah. that's sort of what I'm saying, where um, random things will happen that can prevent you from winning. And there's certain cards that are infamously um, more powerful at their cost level than other cards. The Cutter would be the yeah. most famous example in the base set. Two cost. When it goes off for ally, it does eight authority exchange and gives you two money, which is in just unlike anything else. And they've had various versions of that um, come out in, in later sets. Uh, it's also the the development of the game through expansions, which I know you guys haven't seen, has been really interesting. Um, to some extent, they have expanded the, the variance of the game and made it more random at times. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Colony Wars expansion, they added cards that if 
if it flips at the right time on the row, you can buy it and go straight into your hand. And that can swing a game in the last moment, which yeah. can create moments of excitement, but also you have to become more kind of accustomed to the possibility that that's going to happen. They also have um, gambits, which you might start with at the game that I can scrap to get two money or scrap mm-hmm. to gain a bunch of, you know, some benefits. Um, and, and further examples of that, that, uh, I don't always love the, the thing that I like the least about the star realms universe of expansions now is the missions, which give you three cards at the start of the game that say, Hey, if you can have a red base in play and play a red card, you're going to complete this mission and gain a benefit. Maybe it's draw two cards or whatever. And that's that part I actually think is fun. But if you do all three, you just win. And on the app, you get random ones, and you might also be playing with other factors that make the game more random, like crazy events or gambits, that um, players can win in three turns, mm-hmm. and which is called a unicorn in Star Realms parlance. And that, <laughs> that, for me, is just not a ton of fun. But yeah. some people love that, and that's okay. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, I, it's, Star Realms is a fascinating game in a lot of ways, and it does surprise me that... in. It, does, it makes sense that the expansions have explored the space that they have, but in some ways, it surprises me that they've added even more randomness to the system. But yeah, yeah. I so maybe pivoting from turbulence, as I think we've unleashed a lot, but like a lot of good thoughts on the game design too. I think one thing I want to be sure to mention, or maybe we can talk about, is how one thing that Star Realms does really well, and I think as well as any deck builder I've seen. Um, because it makes it the most apparent is that it's really a game about thresholds. You're trying to get your deck to a certain point where it can produce certain thresholds, right? Thresholds of money to be able to buy cards that you need, especially when they flip up in a display. Uh, the most powerful card instantly becomes a threshold where whoever can get there first is going to have some sort of advantage. So you're making decisions about how to augment your deck to get there. And then also in terms of bases, uh, really the outpost ones, the ones that you must attack before attacking the player or um, their other bases, those create a threshold of damage that you have to get above before you can progress the game state meaningfully. And I think that it's really interesting how Star Realms has these, explores that sort of threshold ability. And then one final idea to that that kind of combines is the idea of the ally system playing into that, um, where the more cards you have, the more likely you're going to link those together and get a huge benefit, but you have to hit a certain threshold of them in your deck to produce it reasonably and frequently. Well said. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's totally accurate. And the, the difference between a um, four defense based, a five defense base, and a six defense base Huge. is really, really massive. And they have some seven defense bases now and other, other ways to affect that. Um, that really do have a big impact on the game, um, especially when those sit out in front of something powerful that's not a uh, an outpost. You know, one thing that I feel like I've learned about Star Realms this time that I didn't realize last time too was the way that the bases sort of create a tempo tug of war, um, specifically the outpost where you'll have them set up, and if you can't go above that threshold, if you can't do five damage to take out their their outposts, or four damage to take out their recycling station, you're stagnating in terms of your progress towards your end goal of reducing their authority to zero. Um, so you're sort of trading tempo back and forth. And I think 
that's interesting. But it's even more interesting for me with the explorers in the core set, because oftentimes you'll get to a point where you've added a few explorers to your deck, you're in the mid game, and you have a decision. You're close to getting over a threshold, but to get there, you have to scrap an, uh, an explorer, get the two damage that you get for scrapping it, but give up some of your economy. And I feel like that's where the decision space really opens up for me, where it asks the player to think really conceptually about the game state, your deck in relation to theirs. And one, can you afford to make that decision? Or two, can you afford not to? And exactly. which one's the right choice? Yeah. 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 I, I really love those decisions. And I think um, there, there are like a lot of, you know, I think, and this comes with, the conversation with thresholds is like, you know, there's uh maybe we're going to get to this later on, but there's like, a, a, as Paul mentioned is at the beginning, there's like a turning point in the game too, where you have to like shift that your strategy. And I feel like a lot of times, like what you're talking about, like a scrapping one of your surveyors to break a base, it might even like change that calculus in your head a little bit and be like, you know what, like I'm going to, shift my engine into a damage engine now a few turns or a turn before I was planning on it or something along those lines. Uh, and, and, you know, and factoring in like, okay, well, am I going to be shuffling my deck and what's in my discard pile? Like there are a lot that comes into a, just a few decision points throughout the game that make them like really interesting. And you know, when you're making them even for someone at my level is like, this is like a turning point in the game. And that's really fun. Yeah, definitely. It, it seems like there's like, Star Realms is one of the games that I've played where I feel like there's a, the most defined early game, mid game, and late game. And a lot of times those inflection points, Jake, like come where you realize, oh, I'm in the mid game and they're in the late game. And I have to get my bases up and try to find some sort of healing strategy to try to stay in this. Or I'm in the late game, they're in the mid game, I'm scrapping things just to try to race to the end. Or I'm in the mid game and they're in the early game. Can I block them from buying this important economy cards that they need to get back into this and sort of bleed them out? And I think that that's, it's one of the games that I've played where that's, it feels really true to like asking the player to thinking about the stages in the game. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'll just add on to that, that um, there, there is this big pivoting in yeah. the game that, um, explorers can keep you really kind of open in your ability to pivot, whereas choosing factional cards are narrowing you down somewhat. The most important strategy article in my learning was the countermeasure strategy article mm. on the Mega Holland blog. I know, Jake, you're a big fan of the Mega Holland blog and podcast. Don't get me um, started. No, I know. <laughs> and uh, it, it's written by Talvi, who I don't know if she plays much anymore, but it is really good at explaining things like if your opponent gets a early brain world, which I think for early players, that's like, okay, I just lose because they're going to scrap two cards, maybe twice in a row and draw four cards. But there are ways to try to beat that back. Um, if you, you know, can, can think through those things, you, you do have to sometimes get lucky, but it's, it's not impossible. Once you start to see the grander scheme of where the game can pivot. There's so much that, uh, that you just said there that, uh, and, and what we've talked about before that I just think it's like so applicable to the way people talk about Keyforge too. So I just want to like put that in the back of uh, our mind, Brendan, to kind of like revisit. But, you know, like there are, again, it's another game where there can be like tremendous variance. Uh, and, you know, but just because you're on the wrong side of some variance doesn't mean you're out of the game. And if you play perfectly, 
you know, and try and take advantage of all those little opportunities to just get a little increment here and there, you can potentially, uh, you know, get yourself back into a winning position. And it's worth mentioning that Keyforge also has the added benefit of having seven factions. Right. So it's, it's fine. So that's a big deal. I mean, I see no issues with that. <laughs> if it was six or eight, I would be out. That's what I'm saying to you guys. Jake, you're like the player writing on like the Amazon reviews. This game only has uh, three factions. It's a complete and utter failure. Oh, 17? No, that doesn't work. Not, not the right number. Yeah. Hey, Brendan, I, how, many, uh, little, how many factions are in Enchanted Plumes? Is it three, five, seven, or ten? I well, if we count every color as a faction, it's there, ten, right? Ten, yeah. So it's a good, it's a good, good design. Congratulations! Yeah. Well done, well done. <laughs> Thank goodness. So I feel like we were pivoting into the sort of idea that like the real heart of Star Realms are the decisions that come with purchasing and scrapping. But I've been talking a lot. Does someone want to sort of delve into like why those are the mechanical core of the game and what some of the most interesting decisions you get to make with either one of those is? I feel like I'm that kid in class where like the professor is like looking around for someone to answer. I'm just like ducking my head uh, and hoping uh, Paul will rescue me. I will. I'll rescue you. Um, I think that you're right about this. Uh, the question of like when to scrap a card that you have that's one of your best cards. And some of the best cards don't even have any ally abilities. Like a Dreadnought is a big costing ship. It does, I think, seven damage, draws a card, and can scrap for five. So it's a big finishing card. But it doesn't get better when you have more yellow cards in your deck, exactly. Um, a card like that, most of the time, is going to be used for a finisher. However, there's other cards like Ram, which I've talked about already, that gives you a big offensive advantage at the start of the game that might put your opponent in a certain mindset of, oh, I need some bases, I need authority to stay alive, but can scrap for three money, which is pretty big in the economy of the game, and get up to something else, maybe something that your opponent really needs to keep their strategy alive. And um, moments, well, first of all, just having a scrap ability gives you more flexibility. I already talked about how most cards don't have any choice involved. Um, the ability to scrap a card gives you flexibility in the game that makes it powerful, gives you more agency. Um, and the other, the other flip side is that new players don't recognize that it is often important to use that aspect of a, of a card. If you have a barter world, which is a base that gives you money or authority and has four defense, if you never use the scrap ability to do five extra damage, you are wasting a portion of your deck's ability and playing at a less efficient, you know, um, pace. I feel like a perfect example of this idea too is the Imperial Frigate, the three cost uh, yellow card that does yeah. four damage right. just when you play it. It allies for two extra damage. So it's just a good card. It can and go and forces so a discard. Effects. And forces a discard. It's huge. Yeah. Right. But you can scrap it for a draw. And at yep. some point in the game, you are going to be what's close enough to the last shuffle that that draw could be really meaningful. Um, yeah. I, I love that decision in Star Realms. And it the to throw away your good cards. Yeah. The, the choice to draw is one that is really important, especially on the tabletop, but is a little bit lost in the app. Because mm -hmm. in the app, the ally abilities are 
for the most part, automatic. And all of the draw abilities are automatic with maybe a couple of exceptions. So um, that means that on the app, if I play three blob fighters, which are little one-cost blob ships, they each draw when they ally, I draw three cards. And that might mean that I cycle through my deck and all blob fighters go to my discard. Whereas if I play on the tabletop, I have the choice to draw maybe and empty my deck and not draw anymore. Or maybe then put something in my discard and then draw to hope to get it. That kind of like next level choice is unfortunately not in the app. But with a card like Frigate, you can do those kinds of things. Where maybe it's close to the end of the game. I know my deck is going to flip if I draw. But I want that to happen because I have a ton of uh, you know just scouts in my hand. And I yeah. don't want those to be in my next deck. Which is so powerful. If you drew four scouts and a frigate and you can somehow force those four scouts to be, if you can win the game in your next deck, you just scrap four scouts. Right. And that's huge. So that was definitely one of my level ups too, Paul, and realizing like, oh, I control my deck from shuffle to shuffle and what's in there if I can force draws. And for me, that decision becomes even more important and interesting. And we talked about sequencing. I feel like it'd be good to talk about this now because it also plays into the the decision space in terms of the design of Star Realms is really smart because for the most part, sequencing doesn't matter, but then it allows that to be an expanded decision space sometimes. So what order you buy things in um, and what order you do things on your turn can really matter. And I think the buying one starts to feel even more important. And in a lot of ways, maybe this brings us to the idea of how Star Realms is a game that asks players to show restraint. Um, You want to just constantly be adding things into your deck because it feels good to get new things when a lot of times that's the wrong decision. Or there's a card on the table and it looks, you want it. It's the big card. You finally got the chance to buy it. But sometimes buying a lower cost card and seeing if a better option will come out can matter more. Um, So that's something else I, I really adore about the game. Yeah, I think um, the buying decisions is is really nuanced in a way that I think you don't necessarily see in all the other deck building games I've played. And just in the fact that, especially in this like 1v1 thing, you know, buying a card that your opponent wants is, uh, you know, can be as valuable or more valuable even than buying the best card for your deck. Um, And I think that's really cool. And again, in a way that's probably lost in if you were playing with more than just two people, because it's kind of hard to like take that hit to your own deck's efficiency to like punch the leader down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in here, I think that adds like a really important texture to those decisions. And also the decision between, you know, buying the three card, three cost card that's, you know, good for your strategy and what you're going for versus like the four cost. Maybe it's like a little bit better and it's more efficiently using your gold, but perhaps it's not as geared towards what your deck's doing right now, though maybe you want to shift into that kind of lane. Uh, I think that's like, that's all really interesting. And, you know, as like a, a new player, I, you know, I realize I'm just like hardly even scratching the surface of all those decisions. And, you know, like I know like one could be thinking about all the cards in my opponent's deck and like what, how many of each color is out in the display versus like how many have we seen what's like likely to be coming out in the future. Um, so I think it's cool like to recognize that's out there though. It's not really factoring into my decision-making at this point. Yeah. I do think that is uh, a positive aspect of the game that 
that it is possible for me to go to a, a, a learn to play event and teach a bunch of students how to play Star Realms and genuinely lose to people who play their first game. That I, that I do think is a positive thing. There are so many layers that you can think about. The difference between playing at 50% versus 55% is very large, and 55 to 60% win rate is even bigger, and it's just an unimaginable difference from 60 to 70%. Yeah. Um, you have to basically be understanding the meta of the, the speed of the game perfectly and executing every decision as close to that as you can. Um, yeah. I, I will go back to uh, thinking about buying cards in since I'm the only one with expansion knowledge here, I'll just share more of it. They have uh, one of the most important cards from the first expansion, and I know, Jake, you know this from Mega Holland, is the Mega Hauler card, which is a blue ship that costs, uh, I think, seven. And it gives you some authority, but it lets you take any ship and put it on top of your deck for free. So, And then possibly draw it with an ally. Um, there are cards that do similar things in the base set, but this one's very strong, especially if you can use greens to clear away space. But a dangerous trap for players, or if they have a blob carrier from the base set, is to try to buy cheap cards to dig for something big that they can get for free. And if you do that too early or you do that too recklessly, you can totally you know, kill off the efficiency of your of your deck, but if you have a really big unscrapped deck and you know it's only going to turn over maybe one time, getting something big to the top of your deck could could be the game, right? You could you could top deck that dreadnought that lets you finish your opponent with twelve extra combat. Is it Paul? Is it Mega Hall Lin or Mega Hall Land? It's actually Mega Hall Lin. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I was just testing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I actually, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mega Hall Lin. I think another interesting thing with Star Realms for me in terms of the buying decisions is trying to, when you're playing a game and you're trying to figure out what your identity is, what your, what your deck wants your identity to be, what the, what the game state wants your identity to be. Um, and Paul, you mentioned how the explorers are a way in which you can uh, create flexibility and, in your own deck and you have to ultimately make the decision to focus. You can't win a game by Correct. feeling the deck. There is no big money strategy. You can't right. just players and win the game. Right. Um, and I think that in terms of, it's not really a expression because you have to do what the game state wants you to do. You can't say, I'm going to go in and my strategy before starting the game is I'm going to build a blue deck and a red deck and I'm going to win that way because you won't. Invariably, you will lose more than 50% of the time because it's about responding to the game state. But I think it gets close to that in terms of you are like you come into the game and you're you're staying open, you're staying flexible, and then at some moment the game offers you a choice, and you have to say, is this the right choice for this game of Star Realms? Yeah, and, and that's partially what makes it so cool. And we talked about some of the things that factor into that, like, do I have enough damage to destroy my opponent's bases? Do they have more damage to me? Are they going to outscrap me and outrace me? And I think that's one thing that's so interesting about star realms that i feel like without this line being said this podcast would be a failure but the for me the biggest win of star <laughs> realms is that every single game of star realms is different and no two game of star realms i'm sure mathematically this is true no two game of star realms have ever been played that are exactly the same yeah. because no two 52 card decks shuffled together right. 
have ever if every time you shuffle it mathematically it sounds crazy because our brains suck at probability that and that's why true. deck builders are interesting mathematically when you shuffle a 52 deck of cards that's probably the only version of that deck in the order of those cards that's ever existed yeah. so when you go to 128 every game of star realms is probably the only game of that order that's been played and when you compare that to something like chess where the first eight decisions in the game obviously we talk about chess a lot it's a good signpost game to compare it's a big deal when at top level someone plays a novelty, a move that's never been played before in a certain line. And Star Realms is like the complete inverse. And this makes should, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, but it's a game of all novelties. You're always yeah. making decisions where you're the one who's making that decision for the first time based on the information that you have. And that's really unique to this type of game and really yeah. cool. And that, that is something that the highest level players say is that, you know, every week they'll pop on um, the Facebook group say and They've played 25,000 games and they'll say, here's a thing that I've never seen before. Here's a new little corner case of why I didn't destroy this base when you normally would. And, you know, if my eyes weren't open to that, I would have lost this game, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm curious, uh, just something that uh, Brendan said made me wonder. So I agree, right? You can't pick... uh, you can't like say what your strategy is going to, I mean, you could choose a strategy before the game and maybe that would work, but it's probably not the optimal way to play. But I definitely feel like I have preferences in like the kind of decks that I build and maybe even, you know, would be more likely to play those strategies optimally, like within kind of the course, the way that deck's building. I'm curious, Paul, is that something like, do you feel like there are strategies that, you know, if things mostly equal, I'll go in this direction or like right. opponents you play that you're like, Oh no, this top rank guy's got the blue cards. Right, He's right. really good with those or there. So she's really good couple, with those. A couple different aspects of that question. One is like in the meta game, is there a best strategy? And Kincaid, who I've already talked about best player in the world, pretty widely recognized, uh, says that bases are the meta winner, that that's the best, the fifth faction, if you will. Okay, so now really be happy about that. Fifth I, like, faction I love is, it. Yes, I'm now it's going to have rating up seven point yeah. five. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so his he will lean towards doing that. However, like you just said, some games won't really allow you to do that because the pace of that it's kind of a build a bear type of strategy it takes takes time. Um, but in terms of the other four factions, I am a machine cult player. Mm. I prefer to scrap my deck. I feel the best when I have a well-oiled machine that is doing 20 damage every turn early. Uh, my friend Andrew, who's a student graduating this year, Star Empire 8 on the app, he uh, plays yellow. That His name says it all, Star Empire 8. He plays yellow as much as he can. Um, even though in the base set, yellow is pretty widely agreed to be the weakest faction, it has the most powerful possibility, which is to force your opponent to discard all of their cards and have no turn. Um, but the third thing to talk about is that there is a wide disagreement in the Star Realms community about a basic strategy decision. And that is, all players agree that scrap is important in basically every game of Star Realms. You're very rarely going to win without scrapping some cards from your deck. Um, but... It is disagreed upon whether you should scrap Vipers or mm-hmm. Scouts at the start of the game. Yep. And there are firmly entrenched camps on both sides. 
There's even uh, an animated series with two episodes out called Scout versus Viper. I voice, I play the voice of Pat the Scout. Uh, it's very funny, and you should check it out. Um, and there is no clear answer on this, though. Two players, you know, who who align themselves one way or the other, they do feel strongly, and I feel very strongly. You should scrap vipers, but uh, I, you know, I've been that wrong seems, before. Well, that's also what I think, and that seems intuitive to me. So maybe that's a point in the scouts' favor. Yeah, this has been. What'd you say? Oh, I've just had an idea. Every every single day over the past week and a half, I've changed my mind. Yeah. Well, the, the truth is that the answer to all questions in Star yeah. Realms is that it depends. It is situational. And um, you don't see as many posts now on the Facebook group, um, the Star Realms fan-created community page, which if you want to play Star Realms, you should absolutely join and enjoy us there. Um, but there used to be more posts about, here's the opening trade row, what would you take with four mm-hmm. trade? And the answers were pretty obvious. You want to take a a cutter if you can. You want to take some scrap if you can. Um, Those have lessened somewhat, but as we see more cards, there are still basic level decisions that are um, open to interpretation. And most of those things depend on what your opponent has in their deck uh, coming up. You know, what can you expect them to do? What can you afford to let them have? Those are the big decisions in the game. I feel like this is a really uh, one feature of Star Realms that doesn't appear in a lot of games because of the purchase line that I think is so awesome that the game uh, is allowed to do this is that you can have games where the first row of cards that comes out, every single card is a viable choice. You have five choices and you could potentially buy a Explorer. You also could have games where every single card that comes out is a top end seven or eight and getting them being the player who gets them into their deck in an earlier shuffle is going to matter a lot, but you're not going to have a ton of decisions. Maybe there's one slot open, two slots open. So your choices are very narrow. And I think that that's so interesting because your, your calculus in terms of the shape of those games varies so much based on what your opponent's deck looks like and what cards are going to flip. And you just have to make these instinctual guesses that are just really rewarding and really fun. And there are games with right answers, but Star Realms isn't one of them. And I think that that's why it has a community of people who are returning to it for 20,000 games, because it's not a game. It's a game that you play to ask questions and see if you're making the right choices consistently. And those types of games are like, are endlessly rewarding. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, you know, just since you mentioned the trade row, you can reliably expect that these card slots will eventually get six, seven, eight cost cards in them. Yep. And if you don't prepare yourself to to buy those cards or at least respond to those cards, you can reliably expect to have to play a different way. So yeah. there's some, even though there's output randomness going on and input randomness and in what shows up, there's some reliable expectation especially with just an 80-card trade deck as opposed to, like, the 300-card trade decks you can make now that are massive. And that might be a big underestimate. Totally. I, I'm curious, and I think folks out there will be curious too, um, in terms of Jake's question, I know we're pivoting, pivoting into the end of our journey here, mm-hmm. but what are some favorite, okay, maybe favorite faction or favorite strategy to go into for each of us and, like, a signpost card that you just love? It's your favorite card to play with. Do you want to go first, Jake? Sure. Uh, I don't know the name of my card choice, but I've I've really enjoyed 
I, I've said this before on this podcast, and I'm sure I'll say it more times. Like my favorite thing to do in any card game is to draw cards. Mm-hmm. So I really like getting those early uh, yellow cards that I think the one, the one costs three, and maybe wow. there's a cheaper one too that just like uh, you play it and you get to draw another card. And just even if it's not the most powerful, just being able to draw a bunch of cards and play it like here's a point of damage here's a point of damage here's a coin here's a coin uh to me that feels like a really satisfying little combo so i I will say that kind of strategy and then i I, i've enjoyed doing yellow paired with red or green and it's not blue because that's whack (laughs) (laughs) how about you paul uh well i've already sort of said i think red is definitely the one that i Um, that I lean to, that I always want to be in some amount of red. In the base game, my favorite faction pair would be red-blue. Interesting. um, To kind of create, uh, to have the time to build a really powerful deck that can be in all factions eventually. Yeah. But red-blue is typically the mechanism that gets me there. Um, Favorite card out of the base set's got to be the big big brain. Brain worlds, eight cost outpost scrap to draw to um still one of the best cards in the universe i brain world is definitely one of my favorite cards to get into like my second deck brain world or third deck brain world i mean amazing i think my favorite card is stealth needle this is the card that oh that card's sweet copy a card i think this card would have just been good if it just copied a card uh, and didn't copy its faction i still an amazing card the fact that you get to copy the fact, completely copy the card, yeah. it's just, I think that Stealth Needle is the card most linked to my success in the core set so far. Or if they end up pulling a Stealth Needle, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a rough game. Because it it's almost the most flexible design in the game. I think it is. It's by nature mm-hmm. the most flexible. And I love playing green. Um, I also really like, I've come around to blue. I was doing some blue whining. I was complaining today <laughs> a ton. Um, but yeah, I was complaining about blue, but I think I've come to enjoy blue a little bit more. The cards, I think in terms of, it, it took me a while to wrap my head around, like, what am I trying to do based on the blue cards that I get? Mm-hmm. Um, also, green's just so fun. Green's ships, like, green's the Timmy color for sure. Like, I'm going to draw a bunch of cards because I'm flying blob fighters, and then I'm just going to, yeah. like, get cards for free or just hit you for a ton of damage. Uh, I yeah. Don't know. And I wondered about that as Jake was talking about his desire to draw, 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 because there is that blob world. Uh, yeah. I love that, that you can draw possibly, you know, five cards and in expansions, it's possible to bounce that back to your hand and play it again and draw like another 10. And that, that's some stuff that really blows up. They add base right. bouncing and it refreshes. They, the they did. They added base bouncing in the first expansion. Some of the first <sighs> stuff. Yeah. It gets pretty wild. I'm downloading it. Screw yep. it. Yep. <laughs> well, awesome. I guess does it any any closing thoughts? The thoughts on decision space overall of Star Realms. Thoughts on the system. Your sort of thoughts yeah. on the discussion. I guess one thing that just keeps coming up for me is you know I really really thanks so much for coming on, Paul. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's super fun to hear somebody's thoughts. That's you know so deep down the the Star Realms road. Uh, and it really does inspire me to want to play this more. You know, I still think there's just something about like I have to like reverse engineer my brain to like understand that like 
the buying my deck is the tactical kind of decisions in the game. Mm. Um, where, where I think that like, there's something that just rubs me wrong about that core mechanism where I feel like I'm, I, when I'm doing that, I'm not playing the game. I'm playing the game when I'm playing the cards right. out of my deck, which is definitely like a me thing. So, you know, a, a lot of discussion reminds me a lot of Keyforge, which is spoiler is like one of my very favorite games. And like in all, you know, I, any of these concerns, like I would hand wave away in that for sure. So it's just, <laughs> so I'm just, it's just interesting. I feel like I'm being uh, challenged by, by this conversation and you know, maybe my rating wasn't totally fair. Uh, Cause I do think it's a better game for that. Just it's one I'm still struggling with. Well, you meet, you bring up such a good point too, which is that Keyforge is the antithesis in that you do no deck building yeah, and you right. just play your cards cleverly. And make choices about whether to attack or to, you know, reap or do whatever. And that is very much the opposite of Star Realms. And I will say that the last time I did a top 10, Keyforge and Star Realms were both, I think, one and two, but possibly one and three. So I love both. Mm. And I'll, I'll also add on that as fun as this conversation may have been for you, it is much more fun for me because while I get to talk to, you know, 18 year olds about this and people on Facebook, um, Brennan has so much tremendous kind of like new player energy right now. That is, I am loving. Um, and, uh, as I've said many times, my favorite, uh, what I'll say about the kind of the future of star realms is that I am going to keep playing the game. I, We'll keep queuing up four games at a time. I'm in this beta now. I know the expansions that are coming. They are awesome. I cannot wait for the legacy version of this thing. We didn't even get into the details there, but that is going to blow the game away into kind of new levels. And the stuff that they've done with Hero Realms has really kind of shown that there, there's a wide range of possibilities for the for the uh, design space, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it makes playing the game and analyzing the meta even a more challenging thing i I love trying to get better at this thing that is very hard to get better at well that's about the best pin we could imagine to put into the conversation possible i think um that sort of for me really hits the nail on the head in the last like week and a half really trying to get better at the game um, if you're looking for a game that challenges you and will reward you for that, and you're okay with your rewards being very small, but, but perceivable and feelable, Star Realms might be your game, might be your decision space to explore. But with that, Paul, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank um, you both, gentlemen. It, we have to get you back for another episode at some Love point it. in the future. Peace, peace. Awesome. Thanks again, Paul. Cool. That was so fun. Good. Thank you so much. This love is really it, guys. Good. Yeah, this is awesome. I'd love to come back anytime. So if you didn't go anywhere, you're in luck. Uh, Paul had to run. We, we dropped him off out of the spaceship, um, out of the interdecisional spaceship. Get the name right, Brendan. But uh, Jake and I wanted to make sure that we didn't leave you if you're a fan of the What's on My Mind segment to make sure we let you know what is on our mind sort of as an afterthought. So Jake, I know you have something on your mind. What do you want to talk about? All right, so... This week has been really cool. I've actually got the opportunity to play in person with people Ooh. twice. And what? I was a little bit concerned of if uh, gaming would still strike me in the same way. And I just wanted to report to our audience here that uh, my friend Chase came over. We played a game of Red Rising and... Um, 
and he had to go and I felt like so incredibly energized and I almost like forgot that it's something that gaming does for me is you know my my wife is not that way you know for her it's like really exhausting like brain work but like for me it's like always felt like I've got like one of those like head massager things that's just like uh you know making my brain feel all tingly and you know as soon as he left I was like just so happy and really yeah felt like refreshed in a way that I haven't felt in you know a year and that was really cool I'm just smiling ear to ear hearing the story. I'm like, Jake, tell me all of your in-person board gaming stories. I haven't done that in a year. I mean, with Maya, but not with right. like a, a friend who's just come over. So that makes me so happy. And I know it will be on the horizon. We've said this multiple episodes in a row, but just like once once everyone's vaccinated, once people get vaccinated and sort of do their part, we can go play games together. It's going to be so great. Um, I have to pick your brain about Red Rising more at some point because I'm very intrigued by it. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about it. Um, and I want to talk about your game, Enchanted Plume, which I also got to play and loved. Um, and But the thing that I really wanted to talk about is, Uh-oh. have you watched The Circle on Netflix <laughs> No, I haven't watched The Circle. What's The Circle? Have you heard about this? No, what is it? Okay. It's like, it's a, it's amazing, but it's also like super trashy reality TV. Okay. But, okay. So, but what it is, is you get like 10 strangers and they're all in this, their own room. Here's, this is the show. This is how the show works. They're all in their own room, their own apartment uh, of this like same apartment building and they can't go out and see each other. They can only communicate each other with each other via like social media. And then like every night they have to rate all the other players in the game. And whoever gets like the most votes gets to send somebody home. And the last person standing gets a hundred thousand dollars. Wait, rate them based on how much they like them. Yeah. Like whatever you want. What? What? There's no, so it's literally like, it's a social deduction game for $100,000. And, you know, there's like all kinds of like, you know, like whatever strategy you want to employ, you can pick any kind of role you want to be. You can be a guy and play as like a girl as your profile or so there's like people like playing like catfish in the game. Um, but like, and your framing is, you know, they're catfishing. Yeah. You get to see, you get to see them and how they interact. Um, and it's like, it is like pretty trashy reality TV, but like the game player yeah. in me, like just sees it as a game. And like, I am so intrigued by it and like just loving thinking through like the strategies of like what people are saying. And there, there really are like strategic elements to it. Uh, and and it's fantastic. I think you should watch it. I think if if you like uh, games, you might really kind of get a kick out of this. And I want to like, I want to design like the board game adapt adaption of this. One thing that's so interesting, just as I'm thinking through like the strategy of it, it reminds me of like, okay, so I wouldn't want to stick my head out too much and become a target. But you also, you don't want to like be too quiet because then are you just like, you're going to draw suspicion, but you also have to be in a position where if you really needed to be voted for that week, you could like leverage some social capital and get rid of someone who is trying to get rid of you. There's, that's very, yeah, it's really all about like building factions, right? So yeah. you, you need to like create as large a group of people as you can that like think 
and trust you so that like if you're the influencer, you're not going to eliminate them. And if they're the influencer, like they're not going to eliminate you. And then they're all webbed, right? Like, and they're all webbed, people. right? And, yeah. like, and if, of course, like if huh. somebody asks, like, are you going to vote for me? You, you know, always like, say. You have to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and they do all kinds of like funny, like, like little things like, like they do like games where they like have the opportunity to like ask an anonymous question huh. to somebody and then like everyone gets to see the question. Yeah, exactly. It's are, crazy. Are there any people playing a 100% honest game? Yeah, I think it's like, so this is the second season of it. I watched okay. the first season too and, and and remember enjoying it. But like, it seems like in the second season, they've really like highlighted the game aspect of it and like the strategy. It's like when I watched it before, I was like, this is trashy, fun TV to watch over dinner. But now when I'm watching, I'm like, holy cow, like, this is a social deduction game. Like they're playing a social deduction game for $100,000. It's like, uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, like, there, there's uh, people playing authentically. I think it's like eight, maybe it's like set, there's eight people in it and like people can kind of like come in and out. Um, and I think it's like about like two thirds of the people roughly are really themselves. Sure. Interesting. Well, yeah. that was an awesome what's on my mind <laughs> slash afterthought. That's, I feel like that was perfect for this segment. Um, my mind's just all star realms and sunshine. So. I think that's that's leave it at that. But that is a lot of food for thought. If you have seen this show, you should come to our Discord and talk to Jake about it because I I could tell that he would be really excited to talk. Dude, I so want to talk about it. Yeah, I want to. I'll make like a circle chat. Nice. (laughs) Just for talking about it. Yeah, perfect. Um, And also to anyone listening, just I want to say thank you. We have been doing the show for oh my gosh two three months now going on four um and it's just been so fantastic i've enjoyed it so much getting to spend this time with jake exploring different games and i've learned a ton so i just want to say thank you to everyone out there listening to the podcast um you're awesome thank you for listening and for sharing it with everyone else and have a great week everyone remember next week what we talk about episodes so just come in with an an open mind and then uh the week after that we're going to talk about keyforge um and then i'm not going to tell you the game but the week after that, after that, we're going to explore a game that explores deck building and worker placement elements. So let me know if you think you can guess what it is. <laughs> um, also, if you're already in the Discord, no cheating. Okay, have a good week. Bye! You are now exiting the decision space. Thanks for listening. Please take care and enjoy the rest of your game. Mm-hmm.